0: Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of Crime Couch. I'm your host Kaylee, and today we're going to be talking about the disturbing and horrific murder of Elise Paylor. This case is so 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 graphic and disturbing, so listener discretion is strongly advised. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one in the early evening hours of July 22, 1995, three teenage boys, Royce Casey, Jacob Delishmunt, and Joseph Fiorella, convinced 15-year-old student Elise Paylor to come hang out with them and party at a favorite spot of theirs in a eucalyptus grove, on the Napoma Mesa, which is an area in California. Paylor had been well acquainted with the boys for a while since they went to school together, and the boys also played in a local heavy metal band known as Hatred. She had no idea of the terror that would follow that evening. Elise Paylor was a typical teenage girl. On the night of her murder on July 22nd, she did what teenage girls do all the time. She left her home in Arroyo Grande, California, to sneak out and hang out with some friends an innocent act that thousands of teens do daily, but turn deadly. They planned to smoke some marijuana in a nearby eucalyptus grove and just have a chill night. But once Elise arrived with the boys, it was obvious that something else was going on, and before she could find a way to run or escape, she was viciously attacked. Jacob Delishman was the first to attack Elise with his bare hands. He removed the belt he was wearing around his waist and wrapped it around Elise's neck. Royce Casey held the girl down as Jacob Fiorella pulled a hunting knife out of a sheath in his pocket and plunged the knife straight into her neck and repeatedly stabbed her again and again. Elise prayed and screamed out loud and cried for her mother to help her as the stabbing continued. An autopsy report later revealed that she had been stabbed a total of 12 times. All of the stab wounds were determined to have been non-fatal after the autopsy had shown the results And this means that Elise was forced to slowly and painfully bleed to death as the boys continued to abuse her body and leave her for dead. After the boys determined that Elise was finally dead, they started sexually assaulting her corpse. This continued on for the eight months that Elise's body had been hidden in the woods. Eight whole months. I don't think I've ever actually wanted to throw up just from reading a sentence from a case like this until now. Though her family had reported her as a missing person, investigators may have never found her body if it was not for a confession from Royce Casey, one of the boys from that night. Casey made the decision to go to the police after he claimed that he had found God and converted to Christianity. He was also very afraid that his so-called friends would try to kill again, or worse, target him because of his newly changed life and religious beliefs. It was after this that he led the investigators to where Lisa's body had been hidden. And began telling investigators the shocking reason as to why they murdered her in the first place. Her partially mummified remains were located in a Napomo Mesa Eucalyptus Grove, approximately a quarter mile from her house. Casey, who played guitar in his slayer-inspired heavy metal band Hatred, said that he and the other band members had been reading a lot about Satanism. A lot of rock bands tend to look at Satanism as inspiration for their music, lyrics, and overall lifestyle. Casey believed that killing the girl as a virgin sacrifice would somehow give him otherworldly powers, including the ability to play guitar better. It was during band practice that Casey, Delishmunt, and Fiorella began developing their murderous plan. According to Casey himself in the statement he gave to police, it apparently wasn't even the first time the bandmates had attempted to take Paylor's life. Apparently, the teens lured the girl to another remote area where one of the boys pretended to slip down a steep ravine, believing she would follow them down. Fiorella tossed another teen a knife, and the boys started chanting, do it, do it, but the other boys just stood there. Casey believes that Elise must have thought they were joking around, which is why she never reported the incident, and had agreed to meet with the boys again. He said they specifically targeted her and wanted to kill her because she was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed virgin and they believed that Satan would be most pleased with the sacrifice, ultimately bestowing the boys with the ability to play so well that they could finally get a record contract. When questioned by police, both Delishmut and Fiorella denied any involvement in Satanism, but did admit that they all played a part in the girl's death, and that they had been inspired by the music of Slayer. But court records show that before his sentencing, Fiorella told a probation officer he had been influenced by Slayer's music. And, in his confession to investigators, Casey said the teens referred to themselves as Satan's children and had discussed killing Paler in a devil worship ceremony. Slayer has always been a controversial band that got virtually no radio play, but has managed to retain a loyal and devoted following. Back in 2018, Rolling Stone magazine paid a tribute to the band during its final world tour, and the magazine does a good job at summarizing what the band is all about. Quoted from Rolling Stone magazine, Their shows are a rite of passage for headbangers, an unholy communion with medals loud and proud, self-proclaiming Antichrist. And, even on nights when it's not raining fiery seat cushions, the gigs still feel dangerous. There you are with a thousand or so fellow headbangers chanting evil over and over again. Never has a band devoted themselves so vigilantly to the topics of hell, Satan, Black magic, war, serial killers, or necrophilia. Can we really find a reason to blame the actions of three boys that were obsessed with Slayer's lyrics for murdering an innocent girl? After all, it is very common for teenagers to listen to those same lyrics without committing a murder. The boys themselves blamed Slayer when they were arrested, and Fiorella, like we said earlier, told a probation officer that the music started to influence the way he looked at things. Casey said the group referred to themselves as Children of Satan and Elisa's parents also blame Slayer. In November of 1996, the family filed a lawsuit claiming the band's lyrics incited their daughter's murder. The Paylers are claiming that Slayer and its record company, American Recordings, bear some responsibility for the girl's death. The lawsuit seeked monetary damages and a halt to the practice of marketing violent music towards juveniles. They claim that the band and the company violated a California business code which prohibits the marketing and distribution to minors of harmful and obscene material. The family claimed songs like Postmortem and Dead Skin Mask gave the boys step-by-step instructions to stalk, rape, torture, murder, and commit acts of necrophilia on their daughter. But in 2001, with the entire entertainment industry looking anxiously on, Judge E. Jeffrey Burke dismissed the charges because he stated that Slayer's songs are protected by the First Amendment. How these types of lyrics fall under the umbrella of free speech will always boggle my mind, but these days, free speech is all relative. In February of 1997, Doug Odom, the district attorney's office chief investigator, testified at a preliminary hearing that Casey told him the trio plotted to kill Paler because she had blonde hair and blue eyes, and because she was a virgin, she would be a perfect sacrifice to the devil. And according to Tribune Archives, Odom's testimony mesmerized the courtroom relating to how Casey told him the trio lured Paler away from her home with promises of drugs. Delishment strangled her with a belt he slipped from his waist, while Casey held her down and Fiorella pulled a hunting knife and started plunging into the girl's neck. Delishment took a turn, Odom said, then Casey. A forensic pathologist who performed an autopsy on the girl's body concluded she was stabbed 12 times. Odom said Casey told him that Elise Paler cried out for her mother while being attacked. She said she was on the ground praying to God and calling for her mom. When Odom himself asked why they committed the murder, Casey told Odom it was to receive power from the devil to help him play guitar better. By making this perfect sacrifice to the devil, they would gain more craziness, or nuts, as he said. That would make them play harder, play faster, and by making this perfect sacrifice to the devil, it might help them go, quote, professional. In March of 1997, Fiorella was sentenced by Superior Court Judge Christopher G. Money to 26 years to life in prison as part of an agreement in which prosecutors dismissed. A probation report published in the Telegram Tribune shows that Fiorella denied Casey's version of events, but admitted to being the first to stab Taylor. He was quoted saying that he wished it never happened, and since it happened, he always wishes that God can bring her back to life. Later, he reported saying he never thought of hurting anybody ever and admitted that it was a stupid mistake. Six months later, in September, Casey avoids a sentence of life in prison without parole by pleading no contest to first-degree murder and is sentenced to 25 years to life the following November. He would have to serve a minimum of 21 years, and a month later, Delishma pleads no contest to first-degree murder in a deal similar to his co-defendants. He is sentenced to 26 years to life of which he would have to serve 85% of that term before being eligible for parole. Delayed due to the criminal case, in October of 2001, the Paler family lawsuit against the band Slayer concluded with the judge ruling that the lyrics did not incite violence. The judge wrote in his 14-page decision that Slayer's lyrics are repulsive and profane, but they do not direct or instruct listeners to commit the acts that resulted in the vicious torture murder of Elise Paler. Burke also ruled that the music is not harmful to children, as the plaintiffs alleged. Therefore, he added, it is not illegal to sell or market the product and is protected by the First Amendment. The Paler family said that they will continue to campaign to prevent marketing violent materials to youth. The talk about the case was pretty silent for the next few years, until Casey had his first parole suitability hearing in July of 2016 and was denied parole for five years. Delishman is denied parole for seven years at a parole sustainability hearing as well. Delishman is also denied parole for seven years, and he's scheduled for another hearing in December of 2024. Fiorella filed a habeas corpus petition challenging his continued incarceration sometime in October of 2018, and he argued that his trial attorney did not challenge his mental fitness to stand trial for the 1995 murder. Nearing the end of last year in 2020, Casey and Delishment testified at the request of the San Luis Obispo County District Attorney's Office and the habeas corpus petition case brought by Fiorella. They testify that Fiorella did understand the nature of the crime at the time, and Fiorella's challenge is currently under submission by a Superior Court judge. Casey is then granted parole in March of 2021 by two California Parole Board commissioners. During the hearing, the commissioners find that Casey has had a near 20 year record of model behavior in prison and participated in a series of rehabilitative programs, served as a mentor, earned his GED, and is working on a specialized bachelor degree in psychology and sociology. He says that if he's released, he plans to move to Los Angeles and find work as a substance abuse counselor. Presiding Commissioner Diana Dobbs stated in a hearing that they found that the person who committed the crime and the person who sat before them today are two very different people. Following the ruling, the state's legal team has 120 days to review legal issues involved before it goes to the desk of Governor Gavin Newsom. The governor can reverse the decision, refer it for further review, or take no action, in which Casey will be scheduled for release after 30 days. Fiorella waived his parole suitability hearing for one year, and he has a tentatively scheduled hearing set for July of 2022. In June of this year, not too long ago, the San Luis Obispo County District Attorney Dan Dow wrote a letter to Newsom opposing Casey's release, writing that Casey has never adequately explained why he participated in such a sadistic and heinous crime. Dow argued the parole panel basically regarded and gave inadequate weight to the horrific crime this inmate committed and looked instead at Casey's behavior in prison. Dow wrote, in fact, there was little discussion of his crime in the March 2021 hearing. These commissioners did not correctly follow the law, but David Paylor, Elise's father, told the Tribune he does not oppose Casey's release and personally thinks Casey is suitable and not a public safety risk. The two other men will continue to live out the rest of their lives in prison, unless their hearings change within the next five years. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Crime Couch. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Crime Couch Podcast, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. On a a large one.